So um, I, started, I started talking with my, my son, uh, Cohen, this week, early in the morning. We're going to start meeting, which is awesome. And uh, I wasn't planning on, on sharing this today, but I felt like it was applicable. I brought him down to Market Harbor, and I had him look at the harbor, and it was kind of this phrase. I said, hey, a boat is safe in the harbor, but that's not what boats are made for. And so we talked about it for a while. And I think that that's a big part of, of what we get to do as a congregation. We're at a place right now where we have a lot of children in our church, right? We've got a lot of children. There's this precious thing that we have been blessed with and given. And really, we not only as, as parents, but as a congregation coming together, we get to be that break wall. So kids, if you're here, I want you to think of yourself as being that boat that's in that harbor. Um, those of us that are adults, I want you to start off by thinking of you as being kind of that break wall. How many of you guys have gone down to the break wall and watched when the waves are just crashing over it? Isn't that awesome? Funny story, it's a, another story, but Josh and I one time went and saw some massive waves over at Black Rocks and then brought some food in the next day for our potluck. But anyways, that's another story. Anyways, watching the waves is fascinating. It can be dangerous too, right? I mean, every year, and it's, it's, it's one of those sad realities, the sad truths. We have people that come up to Northern and they think, hey, there's nothing that can get me. I'm going to go see these waves. And they go and they check out Black Rocks. And, and some of them, we, we lose some, right? Every year, there's, there's a weight to when you're not prepared for those waves, right? So I started talking to Cohen. I said, hey, Cohen, right now, I need you to know, like, you are in this harbor and there's a safety that me and Ange, we're responsible to make sure that there's a safety in your life. That when the waves are coming in this world, that we kind of take the big hit, right? So that you have the safe spot to grow and to flourish in. But you know what? It's equally our responsibility that when the waves are calm out there to like let him go a little bit and a little bit further out past that break wall, right? We need him to get to a place where, you know, as a kid, he can test some of those boundaries and learn how to take, you know, some of those waves. And then eventually, you know, the goal is for him to be able to get out and even in the big waves as a boat, be able to take on lots of waves, right? We all know rain falls on the just and the unjust. The waves come, whether you're good, whether you're bad, whether you're doing great, whether you're doing evil, there's going to be waves in our life, right? We know that. But we need to prepare our children to be able to handle some of those waves. But then the next step is also after they know, I can handle these waves, is to teaching them the wisdom of what waves hey, you have to go through these waves, and you know what? Buddy, it's just smarter to sit out in the harbor and wait until the waves pass, right? We don't have to go through every storm just because there's a storm. Like when, when we're young men and young women, a lot of times we desire, like, I want to know that I can handle these waves, and so we try to go out in the storms, and you know what? There's value in understanding that we can handle them, but there's also wisdom in saying, yeah, this storm, it's not for me. I'm going to hang out here where there's rest, where there's peace. I'll go back out on a sunnier day, Right? We as a congregation get to help teach our kids what that process looks like. I believe that that's part of why God has brought me here in this season and part of why I'm alongside of you all because I've got the little children too where, you know, I get to walk through this process with you and I think that God has designed us to say, hey, let's make something where our kids can go from children to adults and do it well, right? And some of us, that's a, a physical journey from like, you know, childhood to adulthood, some of that, that's a spiritual journey, right? 
Like some of them, when we talk about the spiritual milk in the Bible, right? It, it blew my mind when I was overseas and I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. You just tied spiritual milk to raising of the dead. You know, and a lot of times we're like, no, no, no. You've made full maturity when you can raise the dead. And, and in the Bible and the New Testament, it's like, can we get past that? Like we got to go to stuff of meat, stuff of substance. Isn't that crazy? Some of that substance is us walking in our identity. Now, shout out to the women in April. You're going to have a Saturday where you guys are going to be talking about identity, right? Identity is everything, knowing who we are and whose we are, right? Knowing that we're the son and the daughter of the living king, that is really where it comes down to it, right? But we have to figure out that identity. So as we're going through this, I think some of us need to realize like, hey, what is my job in being a break wall? For the people in this church. And eventually, guess what? As we're getting healthy and as this becomes that safe place where you have that, that break wall of prayer, of support, of encouragement, of the things that you can say, hey, you know what? This is the actual truth in your life. If we can have a congregation that speaks truth. John was saying this last week about truth. And here's, you know, when was the last time you gave a hard word to somebody or you accepted a hard word from somebody? Like this needs to be a safe place where we can actually get into the meat of hey, let's get healthier. Let's, let's deal with this thing, right? And it's funny because I made all my notes, what I was going to talk about, and then, you know, Thursday rolled around and I finally got to listening to the sermon last week because I was downstairs. And I was like, John took all my notes. He took all my... Here he is talking about truth. And I was like, well, maybe I'd do a different sermon. And I was like, no, maybe God just wants it to get us through our heads. Like, it's about truth, right? And there's a distortion of truth that's going on in America today. Really, it's the world today. And it's not just today, this is, but there's been a war on truth forever, right? But I also want to acknowledge there's some in here that today, this might be the safe place for you to start grieving and forgiving and saying, you know what, as a child, I didn't have a mom, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a family, I didn't have a church, I didn't have a community that was a safe boundary for me. And as a child, I took on waves from the beginning. As a child, I had those waves. I had no break wall. And all I've known is survival mode. That's some people here. And guess what? Those that aren't here, God is going to send people that that is their reality here, right? So we need to be sensitive to that. And maybe God is saying, hey, you know what? I want to be your safe place. I want to be your rest. I want to protect you. And you know what? I want you to come on in. I know that your, your sails are tattered but let me fix them. Come on in. Come on into rest, right? He is inviting you into that rest, right, today. But part of that freedom might include you forgiving the people that should have been that boundary for you and weren't. Like a lot of times we think forgiveness releases the other person. Forgiveness frees you. So part of that step into freedom might be forgiving somebody else. That's the encouragement. That's the challenge for some people in here. That's some of what you got to do to walk into freedom, right? And that's what you need to do because you can only give what you first received. And if you've never received a safe place, if you've never received rest, you can't give it, right? So this might be your invitation to receiving some of that. Um, this is not the only weight that pastors carry, but these verses... Man, you, you need to know that like for my entire life, I've felt these verses, but never more than when I think about this transition, right? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. Man, rightly dividing the word of truth in this day and age where at any moment, I mean, if you're talking about a, like a terrible time to become a pastor, it's now. Because at any time, you could say, whoop, fact check. I found somebody who disagrees with you. And guess what? Because there's a war on truth, you're going to find somebody who disagrees, right? I need you to know I will make mistakes. I will need you to know that there's some paths that I've gone down. There's some truths that I know that you guys don't know. You also need to know that I'm fully aware that there's some paths and there's some truths that you know that I have not yet understood, okay? I get that. But that's the part of this is us as a body, we help each other. We encourage each other. And the truth is we, we have to go back to Jesus with it, right? So we keep going back to the word. Now the next one is, you know, but mark this, there'll be terrible times, last days, and it's all these other terrible things if you've already been reading it. But the one that always gets me, because it's all these like, obviously slanderous, obviously, you know, disobedient to parents, obviously, you know, lovers of money, all these things. But the one that gets me, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Man, like, if there's a weight for pastors, it's, it's to not have a church that has a form of godliness but deny his power. We don't want to play Christianity, right? We don't want to play doing it right. We don't want to have all of these things right so that we can judge that person. Like, that is garbage, right? And the thing is, that is a weight for us because we need to find a way to balance this thing of like, we need to divide the word of truth, but we also need to say, I'm not in control and the Lord is sovereign and if the Holy Spirit wants to do something that goes beyond my boundaries because I'm limited, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to do his thing even though I might not fully understand what he's doing in the moment, right? And yet, when there's stuff that goes beyond my paradigm or John's paradigm, we have to go back to the word and say, okay, God, there's this experience. How does this line up with scripture? This was different don't know what this is, right? So we have to go through that. But the thing is, the last thing that we want is for there not to be the Holy Spirit's power that marks our group, right? And that's, that's a huge thing. All right. Um, what is the truth? So rightly dividing truth. Let me get you all the answers to uh, Russia, Ukraine, China, how many genders there are, critical race theory, climate change, anything on Biden or Trump or Obama or Bush, BLM, Antifa, Proud Boys, Neo-Nazis, gas shortages, food shortages, supply chains. You guys want to know the truth on all that stuff? Yeah. I've got a lot of notes. <laughs> Here's the thing. When I said that there's a war on truth, there is a war on truth. We've got people in this community, in this body, that are going to have all sorts of spectrums of responses to all of those, those things, all of those questions. You need to know... Our job isn't to necessarily avoid this stuff. It's not my intention to ever avoid these questions, right? But the truth is, we don't know all of the answers in there. I have some really strong opinions, and outside of the pulpit, you can ask me, and I'll give you my strong opinions. There'll be times where I'll talk about some of those things. Like, for instance, you know, we talked about, I think that our job is to go from the childhood to adulthood, part of... Part of that is I think God is calling us to almost have a rite of, no, to have a rite of passage. It's got a bad connotation sometimes, but essentially have a rite of passage that's not just like one ceremony, but that we actually intentionally invest in our, our young boys to become men and our young girls to become women and to empower them. And not just by social stereotypes, 
but by what the Bible says, but also like to invest in them so that when they leave this church, they are rooted in spiritual things, but they also have like competencies, right? That holistically, they can do things together. They have, they have an understanding of what community is. They have some skills that they can offer, and they have some confidence that they can go out there and not get smashed by the waves, right? That's a huge thing. Part of that is, okay, well, if that's the case, if I'm saying boys to men and girls to women, well, one of the hot topics that we have in America right now is how many genders there are and all of that stuff, and that is a huge topic, right? But I look back and I say, there's so much evidence that we have a creator. Obviously, as a pastor, that shouldn't be an alarming thing for me to say, right? And if we have a creator, I believe God created men and women, right? And so part of us identifying that is saying, you know what? I know that when we leave these doors, some of us are going to get smashed by waves of saying, you can't say that. You can't believe that. But it's true. And we have to be okay with standing with truth, even if waves come, right? Now, there's a lot of other things that come with that, right? But like that is, that is my stance, right? And I think that's not only just my stance, that's not opinion. I feel like that goes from the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that if somebody is struggling with their, their identity. Because again, if we're talking about truth, there's an attack on identity with people, right? And so if they're struggling with their identity and they're trying to figure that out, that doesn't mean that we immediately reject somebody. If, if somebody who comes in who is who's living in a trans life, does that mean that we immediately reject them? No. No, we love them, right? Like, we love the person and we say, okay, well, here's Jesus. We're going to love you. You want to have border grill? Right? Like, we, we don't say, oh, no, out, out, out. Our job is not to judge, to kick out, right? Like, I love the passage where, it sounds funny, but I love the passage where, where they're going through and they're like, okay, go to your brother who did this thing to you. And if they don't listen, take in another person and then take in the elders and then, like, make this big thing. And then worst case scenario, treat them like the tax collectors. And we're like, oh, the tax collectors. Yeah, well, they were not accepted by the church right? So you're like, oh, good. This is what we need to do to judge and then kick somebody out. But it took me a lot of years to realize the person that was saying that was Matthew. What was his job? A tax collector. So we say, hey, you know what? After you're going through all of these processes to like reconcile and restore this person, worst case scenario, stop. Just love them the way Jesus loved me, right? Like the goal isn't to kick people out. The goal is to love people like Jesus, isn't that cool? Um, what do all of these people have in common? Anybody have a guess? They've got eyes. Okay. It's a good guess. You're really close. Actually, you're completely opposite, but that's all right. This is a trick question. All of these people do not exist, except for with a computer program. Isn't that crazy? Look how lifelike these people are. We're living in a day and an age, right, where, I mean, again, we're talking about Russia and Ukraine, and you've got tens of millions of people and very limited number of people that are actually giving us actual real content of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. We hear the spins on... On this side, we hear the spins on that side, right? We have the ability with technology that if I've got a Facebook account, which I do, but I don't really check, 
they have enough information that they could put my face saying whatever, doing whatever. Like the ability for deep fakes is ridiculous. Those of you that don't know what deep fakes are, check out after church. Not right now, please. Um, like they have these programs. Uh, I don't remember the website, but if you want it, I can find it. Where literally you, every time you hit refresh, they take all of the pictures of all of mankind and they digitally bring them together and they adjust them in real time. And they make these, which look completely real. Like these people don't exist. Isn't that fascinating? Right? Like a lot of times we think, oh, I've seen this. It's got to be true. Not necessarily. I've heard this. It's got to be true. Not necessarily. Like there's never been a time in our life where we have to be able to stop and pause and respond to a situation instead of react to it. Right? Because what's happened is with truth, we've tried in our country to make it relative. What is your truth? What is my truth? What is your truth? What is your truth? No, what is the truth? Right? But in the process, when we move from absolute truth to relative truth, there's this, there's this vacuum where we get to decide what we think is true, and then we act on that, and then you can't judge my truth, right? That's a, that's a scary spot that we can be in. That's a scary spot for anybody that doesn't know Jesus. It's a scary spot for us to say, okay, I'm sending my kids to this place, and who knows who's going to have an influence on in what they're going to learn, right? It's a hard balance, all right? 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for we see through a glass darkly or dimly, but then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully even as I am fully known, right? So even at our best, when we look at all of the equations, and I can tell you my perspective on a lot of those things, a lot of these issues, we see through this dim glass, right? We see through a perspective, but we don't see the full thing, right? Which is part of why we need a community, but really why we need Jesus. Okay, um, Plato's cave allegory. I think a lot of people probably know this. Plato was not a Christian, but you know what? I can find truth in a lot of places. So um, the, the perspective of this is on the far left. I'm going to walk you through this real quick. Far left, you see the shadows of the objects, right? And what you can't really see is the heads of people that are chained looking at those shadows, right? Behind them, you've got the people that are holding up the sticks of the little pot and the horse and the duck. And then you've got a, a light source, which is your fire. And then you've got a guy that's climbing up and then a guy that's on top. So Plato's cave allegory basically is saying, hey, we start, at some level, we start as the person that is chained looking at the back of the wall at the shadows. And we make our entire paradigm of, oh, oh, that's a duck. Oh, that's a this thing. That's a whatever, you know, and you call it whatever it looks like. But really, there's like these puppeteers that are behind you, right? So those people over there, it might, for all intents and purposes, it could be, Fox News, it could be CNN News, it could be Twitter, it could be Facebook, it could be whatever is the input giving you information in your life. You see the distortion of the truth because there's light behind it, right? So you just see this distortion of, I see in part, I see dimly what is actually going on, right? So in this allegory, basically one of those guys gets taken from that slave position that's looking at that, drawn through, burns his hand on a real fire, climbs up, gets dragged up outside, and he looks down and he sees this pool. And in the pool, he sees the reflection of the moon and the stars, right? And then he turns up and he looks and he sees the real moon and the stars. And the point is, there's like more and more depth of what's true and what's real, the more your paradigm changes, right? Some of us are in any parts of this story, right? Where you might be at the place where you're like, wait, you telling me CNN or Fox is lying to me? Are you, are you sure? 
wait, Facebook, that's not really what their life looks like all the time? They're not always happy? They're not always doing the most awesome things ever and I'm just sitting on my couch, right? Like, some of us are still at that point. Some of us are like, hey, wait a second, I see you. I see you, Fox. I see you, CNN. I see you holding up that thing. That's not true. But you might still not have gone up to see the truth, right? And some of us have said, you know what? I know that all of these paradigms are not true. So I'm going to climb and leave what I've known behind to go see what the truth is. Some are still looking at the pond, at the reflection of what's true. And some of us have gone and seen the truth. And you know what happens is when you go and you see the truth, you know what you inevitably want to do? You go through all those stages of denial and anger and frustration, and you're like, I'm going to go free the, the prisoners. So you go back down there, but if you go back down there, it's like going from pitch dark to bright is blinding. But going from bright to pitch dark is also blinding. Right? So if you have like seen and you go back into this dark cave and you're trying to explain to people that have never seen, and they're like, man, you can't even see what that thing is over there. What's that, What's that going over there? Is that a horse or a duck? Oh, man, I don't know. I can't see. Right? And they're like, man, you have no idea. You can't even see. Right? And the only way you can see is if you sit in the darkness long enough to adjust your eyes again, in which case a lot of times you lose momentum. But if you grab that person, they're going to reject it. But if you bring them to the truth, like, eventually, they're, they're going to get it, but they're going to fight you on the truth all of the way. Like, how many have been in these conversations where people fight you on the truth, and you're like, this is true. Like, come on, let me just show you, you know? You can't, well, maybe I'm the only one that gets worked up about that stuff. Um, we have a, dis, a distortion of the truth in our culture, right? And again, all of those issues, there's a distortion of the truth. And so how do we rightly divide the scripture? How do we figure out what's true? How do we not let that stuff divide us as a group, right? Um, part of it is changing our question from what is the truth to who is the truth, okay? So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you don't even know where I came from or where I'm going, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they're talking about Jesus here. He was in the beginning with God, and all things are made through him. And without him, nothing uh, that was made, whatever. You can read it. You know it. Last one, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying to them, hey, I am the truth, right? So our job, our job is, hey, you know what? I am getting tossed around in the waves of all of these things. I am afraid about what's happening with Ukraine, with Russia. I don't know what to do with this thing. Are we good? Like the gas prices, are they just keep going up. Are we going to have food shortages too? I went through Mart, like Walmart and there's five rows in a row that don't have food. Like there's all of these things that we start evaluating at these waves where we start taking in water. And again, if our eyes are not on Jesus, you will swamp your boat. Promise. That's what happens, right? Instead of trying to debate people what is true, we need to bring people to the one who is true. Yeah? Good thing is Jesus spent, sent the spirit of truth. And there's a lot of other verses in there, but I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it doesn't see him or know him. 
But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is what I was talking about before, of having a form of godliness but denying his power. Like, the power is going to be through the Spirit, right? So Jesus, the truth, sent his Spirit of truth to come be our helper, to help us rightly divide the Word, which is him, the Word. Anyway, yeah. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, he's here to help us all around. So we can either go to him and say, God, I need help understanding the truth of how I respond in this situation. Or we can go to, to Twitter, which will tell us how we're supposed to react to this current crisis, right? And I guarantee you, we're going to have crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis, right? And I guarantee you, we're going to have propaganda on every side of the equation. It's, it's what happens. Because you have this spectrum, right? And the spectrum of power is love on this side and fear on this side. But if you are in a secular situation, if you are the president of the United States, and I don't care if it's Biden or Trump or Obama or Bush or whoever else, if you want people to follow your power, you either have to press into love or you have to press into fear. And it's really hard to force somebody to love you, right? A lot easier to make them fear you, which is why so much of our news like, is based on fear. It's so much of it is based on fear, right? The Bible talks about perfect love casts out all fear. It says that Jesus is love, right? So this avenue of truth is going to be via love, right? Again, you got somebody that believes differently than you with some of these things. Guess what? It's our kindness that leads to rep uh, repentance, right? It's going to be us being kind, being forgiving, being patient, loving, long-suffering with people, and saying, you know what? It's better that I'm going to be in a right relationship right now than, than like tell you, no, 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 the moon actually looks like that. You have no idea, right? Sometimes we get into useless arguments at times. Again, it goes back to our identity and God's identity, all right? One of these lions is assured to have safety in their next meal and the other is not, right? Our culture is trying to scare us into there's so much stuff, but it's okay. If you come on in, we'll be, we'll be your rock wall. We'll be your safety. And you know, we'll keep you safe. And the world's safety looks a whole lot like a prison, right? If our dependence is on somebody that doesn't know Jesus, we're already in trouble. We're already in captivity. Doesn't that make sense? Like, our identity should be that other lion, right? We're not promised our next meal. We're not promised. I mean, even Jesus wasn't promised a place to lay his head, Right? But there's something free and wild because he was designed to be that line. We're designed to be like that. We're designed to be free. So questions that I have as we're going to break up in a few minutes into some groups for prayer. Some questions for you to think about is, do I spend more time in my life asking what is truth or who is truth? Is my paradigm built on distortions? Do I have the courage to pursue what is true? Do I need to grieve or forgive anyone for not being that break wall in my life? Who can I create a safe harbor for? And would I rather be safe or free? So what we're going to do is, Jesus, we thank you.
for being the truth. We thank you for bringing truth. We thank you for the gift that you've given to us on the cross. And we thank you for the gift that you've given of your spirit of truth to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you'd help us divide the truth in our lives. I ask that you would bring us into a greater intimacy, a greater depth of reality, the truth for identity, sons and daughters of the living King. God, I help that you would restore us, restore a relationship with you, but also restore a relationship with our brothers and our sisters. God, there's a fallen world that needs your love, that needs your grace, that needs your joy. God, help us be that. those that need rest, I ask that you would meet them with rest even now as we go into worship. We worship you because you're worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. You're the one who was, who is, and is to come. We're thankful for your presence and we ask that your presence would be the thing that, that goes with us as we go out into our fields of ministry, as we go out into our friendships. Because God, nothing will distinguish us from the others for your presence. God, we desire to have a form of godliness that also has your power, that also has your love, that also has your rest and your peace and your goodness. Help us to love our families. Help us to love our friends. Help us to love our community the way that you have loved us. Yes, this in Jesus' name.